if it's in the very early stages, she's still being admitted, she wants a bit of a long time, that's fine. When she's pushing, definitely don't step away in between contractions just to boil the kettle. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt. I'm a 30-something with a four-year-old stepdaughter and a pregnant fiancé. And I'm Daniel. I'm a 30-something and I've had kids for a while, ranging from toddlers to teens. Hi, and thanks for joining us once again for another episode of Ramblings for Dadmen. I'm Dan, and this is Matt. Hello, and uh, welcome to episode six. How has your week been? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Yeah, I don't think we've really done that much, to be fair. We've decided to re-watch Afterlife, and Beck decided to at Ricky Gervais to let him know that fact, and he liked the tweet. So wow. we had a, a little five minutes of fame. Um, I have um, not watched one second of Afterlife. Okay. After this, watch it. It'll take about two hours of your life. Right. For each series, it is right up our street. It's perfect. I've watched both series so far three times. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. It's epic. It's really good. If anyone's looking for a Netflix recommendation, there you go. I'm really bad at just watching TV in general, to be honest with you. It's not that I don't like Ricky Gervais. I actually really, really do, and I would watch it. I just don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but maybe the, in the dark nights when i've got a little baby at three o'clock in the morning maybe maybe that's the time to watch afterlife we also there's a new trailer come out for the matrix resurrections matrix four. Oh god you were obsessed with that at school i remember yeah. when the trailer came out i have just i nearly jizzed my pants <laughs> it was amazing i loved it and then i've gone back and watched the trailer it's only a three minute trailer but i've watched that about 10 times and Really looking forward to that. Comes out actually probably around the time that you're going to be a dad. Is that the same cast as well? Yeah. Well, oh. most of. Yeah. yeah. The main people. Yeah. Well, it's still Neo. There's a bit of a bit of controversy going around online. There's no Lawrence Fishburne. Oh. Yeah. I, I read an article that just said that he just hadn't been asked. But there's someone who looks plays the same character, looks very similar, but it's just not Lawrence Fishburne. We've also been back out dog walking again this week. We've not been able to with uh, with the pup uh, for the last two or three weeks because she's been spared. So That's been, right. She's had to wear this little coat, right? Like a surgery suit, they call it. But it's uh, it wraps everything tight, makes sure she can't actually get to the wound. And it, it saves her having to wear the cone of shame. <laughs> the vet has uh, signed her off officially so she can go back walking which means we've been back on this weekend canal walks. Um, and I took her for a big 5K walk today. We actually went to a nice day out yesterday. We just walked down the canal. I uh, got to Wigan Pier and then walked up to, do you know where the arches are near the train station? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those places there is called The Hideout. We went there, had a nice little coffee and cake. <laughs> but then from there, we uh, yeah, just walked back along the canal. It was quite a nice thing to do because we've not been able to. That sounds good. By comparison, we've had a really quiet week. Both Beck and I have been off work this week. Flossie has started school. She's really enjoying it. She's having a great time. But she's still at that stage where she was only having half days. And it was weird times that she was going, like, starting off at, at 12 and finishing at 3. So we've had a bit of a quiet week, to be honest. She She's still she, enjoying it? 
she seems happy enough at the minute. She likes the fact that she's been playing all day. I'm sure that will change at some point. <laughs> and I'm not too sure. I mean, obviously, with the first week, you probably know better with Beck's experience, but she's probably learning without realizing she's learning a little bit as well. Yeah, that, that's the teacher's trick, isn't it? You teach her stuff without you know you're being taught anything. Yeah. But Beck's teaching role has taken her into year one this week, and she said some of the feedback that the children have given her which I thought was really funny, was um, around the lack of playtime. So obviously oh. reception, as you've just mentioned, you know, the first couple of months, it is very much playing. Whereas some of the kids, now they've moved into year one, about having a bit of a different experience. <laughs> uh, one of the children actually said to her, when do we get to play? <laughs> Callum started year 11, and I swear, he's had the easiest time through high school ever. I keep asking him, have you got any homework? It's like, not much. He'll get maybe three, four pieces a week. Am I? There you go, that exact response, that really, I was shocked by that. We were getting homework every day, right? I'm sure we were. I, I reckon we were getting at least between two and four pieces a day. I remember on a Sunday, I used to sit there doing homework while my mum and dad watched Heartbeat. And it was just <laughs> a Sunday evening. It's just ruined by homework. He's got none of that. Really? That's a, yeah, that's a sign of things to come for him. Then I think he's going to have a hard journey into working life. The first week of homework was always back your books. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Get your dad's wallpaper out and back in your, <laughs> back in your master. Well, no. So you might remember this, but in year seven, it was almost a popularity thing when we was there, of who could have the, the best book. So you could just go and, you know, the sensible children went off and just backed it with that clear, sticky back plastic. But the popular kids are the one, it was a, almost a competition of who could have the nicest books for each lesson. That's right. And I actually remember going into Jack Beanstalk, I think it was at the time, and just asking if they had any posters that they'd taken down from films they couldn't use anymore and use those to back it because that was obviously a, a semi-popular thing to do. And I remember my maths book had Men in Black. I had that, I had Mighty Ducks. We had... The Mighty Ducks. What a yeah, film that was. Yeah. And the reason I remember this was I stumbled on some some of my old school books and I was just wow. happy to sort of loop past and see, you know, the, the Men in Black book and... Yeah, the Mighty Ducks book and a few other posters. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that was an interesting read, wasn't it? Even looking through. My handwriting's not improved. <laughs> Your yeah. intelligence hasn't either. No, no. It's, it goes downhill. <laughs> okay, we are week 28 of the pregnancy now. We are getting into, you know, third trimester. It's getting real. Yeah, this is officially the business end now. Correct, yeah. The baby is the size of a lettuce. And I tell you what's been different this week. <laughs> Becky almost is playing tricks on the baby. She's shining the, the torch of her phone onto her belly and the baby's reacting. <laughs> yeah. So oh. I didn't know that that was a thing. But um, there's definitely some communication going on there. In fact, she she's getting a little bit more aware of, of what's around her, definitely. But now we can physically start seeing a to kick as well so that's been a a big week the baby also gains a pound every week now you've now fully embraced i mean as we've seen today that you have fully embraced dad mode i would be ashamed to call you a dad 
if you did not use the jaw, let us begin. Hey. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We do. I mean, I do love a dad joke. Becky, not so much, but I mean, if people that that knew us would say that we always delivered a, a really good dad joke. Back when we were in college, we were the anthem deck of the college bus, right? You know, we both obviously went to different colleges, but we caught the same bus, and everyone knew that we were going to tell the famous Apple joke. Yeah, that college bus was a den of inequity, wasn't it? I remember, <laughs> so I was the last stop, and I remember getting on that bus, and I remember going up <laughs> upstairs one day, and I must have had a really bad day at college. I don't know if you was you was on at the time. And I came upstairs because that's where we tended to sit. And I got my bag and I had a bit of a strop and I threw my bag at the front of the the bus <laughs> without realising that previously someone had vomited all over that bus <laughs> and my bag was covered in sick. Yeah, the law of sods making your day even worse. Uh, yeah. I, I do remember that. I was there and there was a reason nobody was sat in that seat. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> I think we're renowned for telling jokes, or at least we were in college. And now that you're going to be a dad, or you are a dad officially, and I'm a dad, let's throw your best dad joke out there. Let's throw one out there now, and then we may make this a feature if people appreciate <laughs> the dad humour. I'm, I'm sure they won't, but I'm, no. I'm happy to throw a joke there <laughs> if you wanted. <laughs> this may stop people listening. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to go first? Do I, I'll I'll go first. Or? I've got a couple of nuggets in there. I got. I'll I'll hit you with one. Okay. <laughs> Why can't a nose be twelve inches long? Go, go on. Because then it'd be a foot. The first time I heard that, I nearly fell off my chair laughing. It, it's cracking. Go on, hit me with one. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it without laughing. But okay. <laughs> Why did the sperm cross the road? <laughs> because you put the wrong sock on this morning. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to lower the tone. Um, have I told you that I've been going to a chiropractor recently? Go on. First, I didn't think he was any good, but now I stand corrected. <laughs> so, once again... Thank you, everybody, for all the support that we're getting on um, social media, including Instagram. We've had quite a lot of questions this week coming through, and I thought it'd be quite a nice idea to to go through some of the questions. We're not we're not going to discuss everything today. There's a nice little fitting pattern for some of the questions, so we can discuss yeah. them and and seeing seeing where we go. Okay, so do you want to do you want to read out the first one, or do you want me to read out the first one? Okay, so this one was anonymous. I'm calling anonymous. Oh, yeah. oh, we're having that. We're having that. There's the opener. <laughs> anonymous. <laughs> okay, so the person came through, didn't leave the name, but they they asked how to meet someone when you have kids from a previous relationship. I think that's something we can both discuss. We can both relate to, but from either side of the experience. So when I met my Beck, I had kids prior. You know, you met your Becky. And she's got a kid from a previous relationship as well. So you've sort of you've not brought kids to the relationship, whereas I have. Yeah, we can we can definitely see it from both sides. We briefly mentioned it last week for you is that 
ironically, is that Beck probably know, knew your kids before she knew you properly because she used to. That was going to be my answer, to be perfectly honest. Like, how do you meet someone when you have kids from a previous relationship? Meet somebody from the kids' nursery. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, obviously we would never advocate that do you know what it is hard and i've openly said this to beck but i'd made my peace really i didn't think i would meet anyone until my kids were you know around 18 or you know they, they'd got their independence and i'd sort of come to terms with that i weren't i didn't expect to meet anyone so i can i can very much understand the fears of how do you go and meet someone new when you're carrying I don't want to say baggage, but when you've got kids, there's an extra layer that you want to sort of protect your kids. You don't want to be introducing, you know, a different person each week. So I had that sort of mentality, really, of for the next 15, 18 years, however long it takes, I'm going to be just this single dad and I'm not going to meet anyone and I devote my life to the kids. But I think that for me, it came easier because I wasn't expecting it. There wasn't this pressure of I need to find somebody else. I didn't need somebody else in my life at that time. I wanted someone, but I didn't need anybody. And I was comfortable and happy, you know, in my own skin. I see the challenge that people would probably have. You know, lots of people have different support networks in place, whether you've got the ability to go out and say, go to the gym on your own or go to a nightclub on your, you know, with friends. If you've got that support network, then you can do that. And that's going to open up opportunities to meet people. Yeah, you know, that segues quite nicely, really, into how, how you and Becky met. It's funny you should mention about you saying that you were already committed into that you was going to be a single dad and you don't. You didn't have the intention of meeting somebody because I think that kind of echoes what Becky was at the time, how how she felt. She felt that, you know, she was going to be single. She was comfortable with it. She was happy. She was devoted devoted to, to Florence. And so I can kind of understand your point of view. When did Becky tell you that she got a kid? Did she tell you on that first night? Was it well, the day after? <laughs> did Flossie walk in on you? No. <laughs> I think the most important thing you can do is be open and honest. Don't try and hide the fact that you've got kids. You don't necessarily have to mention it straight away. It's not a hi, I've got three kids. I, I don't. I don't think that's. A, <laughs> that's I, a good I, I don't think that's that. a really good opener. But and don't feel like you have to rush into a relationship. So Becky and I met just as the pubs opened up from from lockdown for the first time you know when you could go to the pub but there was only a maximum of six people around the table and you had to to go separately and I was living in Manchester at the time I was due to stop at my mother's because she lives nearby to where we were going to go and yeah that was the whole plan and we we went into this bar and the barmaid was like I'm really sorry we've got no tables at the minute and and the bar that I'm talking about has like this this huge bar and then at the back of it there's another room that was closed and we were just like well we don't really want to go anywhere else can we not just hide in the back and just <laughs> give us drinks like we're not bothered about being around people in fact it's probably better <laughs> leave us at the back to be honest because we're just gonna you know chat shit and and she was like okay fine so she she put us to the back and and i swear to you there was nobody else there about half an hour 45 minutes later a few people must have been trying to do the same thing getting in so the 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 waitress must have thought well we can just open the back now that's not going to break any rules and 
there was a group of people that came in and she literally sat us on the left hand side of the the table and it just so happened to be becky now two really interesting things happened that night one is that becky was got stood up on a date and also that she kind of said to herself well you know what she's going to go out for herself she's going to dress how she wants she's going to enjoy a night out and just have a night out with her, her girlfriends and just be herself and then you came along and then we met then we were literally <laughs> sat next to each other i mean i i feel for becky at this point she's gonna she's had the worst night possible you know she's been stood up the feelings that go through you at that point and she's resolved to the fact that she's just gonna have some quiet drinks with some friends and then you're on the table next to her chirping away hitting on her <laughs> do you know what it was the exact opposite <laughs> So I was there having quite a few drinks and and just getting on. And then she came talking to me and I was surprised about that. But do you know what? We hit it off from day one. And I think what I'm trying to get at is that we weren't planning to meet anybody that night. So, yeah, so me and Becky met. I won't go too crude into the situation, but let's just say I didn't go back to my mother's that night. (laughs) So it was a really funny story because we we woke up the next day and we woke up about, I don't know, 10 o'clock or something like that. And I got a phone call. Now, Becky didn't know it at the time, but it was my sister that was ringing at me because my sister (laughs) still lives with my mum. And, you know, she was trying to figure out where I was because I meant to be going (laughs) going back to where else. And then Becky saw this girl's name that come up on my phone that said Jessica. And she's like, oh, my God, he's got a fucking boyfriend. What have I done? And I quickly had to go out of the room just because it was awkward. I didn't want to say to my sister, this was <laughs> where I am. I just said, I'm going to be pick up my car pretty soon. So I went back to Becky's house that night for the first time. And do you know what? I even noticed like little wellies and a, a toothbrush, a little toothbrush. And do you know what? I, the penny still didn't drop. Like I didn't, I did not think, I, I didn't think, like I thought, oh, she must be an auntie or something because... <laughs> There was no child there, so obviously she was stopping at her dad's, but it did not compute, did not one minute compute. Okay, and so so at what point did she actually tell you then? So obviously I left, I went home, had a shower and got myself into some sort of fit state, despite how hungover I was. Um, but I actually went back that night and we had, I guess, a second date, <laughs> I guess. Um, where we just watched a couple of films and we had some pizza. Um, and then I drove home and then she mentioned it that night that she had a daughter. And and she was basically saying, my daughter's my best friend. She's my whole life. I really like you, but I want to be honest about it now is that I have my responsibilities as well. And, and to me, I didn't feel threatened by that. I was like, well, I like you. <laughs> and if you come as a package, that's absolutely fine with me. So just circling back to the question a little bit, that's really important to sort of highlight there as a mentality piece from you. Uh, that didn't phase you. You, you yeah. know, and, and Becky would have gone through emotional turmoil of when do I tell him, how do I tell him? She'd have had that conversation in her head a lot of times. I know I said, well, I didn't need to with Beck, to be fair. She knew. She knew my part. I didn't have to have that conversation. But if you were meeting somebody, that's that's yeah. something you're going to have to speak yeah, about. How do you yeah. approach that conversation? How do you approach it? What do you say? When's the right time? 
and your reaction there of I'm in this relationship to have a relationship with you if that means you've got a kid that's fine yeah but if somebody freaks at that point it's not the right relationship I mean maybe we can talk about this in a in next week's episode is is that transition of of when you introduce your new partner to a, a child because I guess that's a big topic of conversation as well as when do you do that for me personally it was a a couple of months down the line and it was very much a small transition bit by bit Flossie's quite a cautious person in general so it takes time for her I mean, to get used to somebody I was cautious of you at first anyway <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well let's ramble on for a few more of these um, so Frank I want to find out what's going through Frank Frank's head because Fra- Frank has just asked sexting is it wrong <laughs> First of all, Frank, stop sending us pictures. Not joking. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Everything has its place. Frank, if you were sexting your partner, then I suppose that's fine. <laughs> if you're just sexting randoms, I'm speaking on behalf of, of people that receive these messages. Maybe some people want to see that, you know, and, and they've indicated that they want that by sending you a picture of the bits. And maybe that then has its place as a, re- a response sext. Yes, maybe that's okay. But I think just randomly sending pictures of yourself to people, maybe a bit forward. Hi, I'm Frank. (laughs) So what I'm imagining in my head is that this person may be in a relationship and he's sexting other people. And is that is that wrong? Because it's not real in terms of that. I mean, I could be completely off the off the topic there, but. That's the image that I've got in my head when I think about that. And I would say, yes, that absolutely is wrong. Well, yeah, of course. I guess the question is, is do we feel like it's be, it's considered cheating? Which if you're do, if you're texting someone sexually explicit things outside of the perimeters of your relationship, I would say absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, is that up for debate? <laughs> well, no, like, I, I don't think so. But again, we there's no context to the question. It could yeah. be, is it part of a healthy relationship? Absolutely, yeah. And that if if that's if that's the kind of relationship that that you have, that's that's absolutely fine. If you know, if you're on your lunch break at work and you get a message like that, and you know, but yeah, hope hope we've helped you out a little bit there. <laughs> so, Frank, right. please do reach out to us again and clarify whether that was in a relationship or to to random people that you've met. You do you, mate. Okay, so... The next one is probably more targeted towards you. Childbirth. Are you excited or nervous? I mean, both. I suppose those are not necessarily the only two adjectives at this point. (laughs) What's your thoughts? What's your feelings? Where's your head at? Generally, it's all over the place. I'm excited. I'm excited for... The, the baby to be here i can't wait i'm nervous like i'm i'm petrified i mean we've we've discussed this briefly in, in other weeks and i'm sure as we start getting closer to the due date we'll talk about this more and more and after when the baby's here i'm <laughs> we'll talk about the whole experience yeah let's revisit yeah. that one i mean i was well, talking to jake he had no idea what to expect the first time I genuinely had no idea what to expect. You've got a, a preconcepted idea in your head of there's going to be birds singing, there's going to be just easy. You're in, bit of pushing, you're out. I guess it's it's one of them things you don't you don't realise what it's like until you're there. So I can't begin to imagine. I've had 
the same advice of, of two people. So the two people that's well I'm closest to the most that's had kids would be you and my my brother and and they have both said the same piece of advice. Do not make a brew. <laughs> because that doesn't go down too well. If it's in the very early stages, she's still being admitted. She wants a bit of a long time. That's fine. When she's pushing, definitely don't step away in between contractions just to boil the kettle. <laughs> <laughs> so Beck, when she was giving birth, we'd watched a lot of... So in the UK, there's the programme One Born Every Minute. And we'd watched a lot of that. I'd obviously gone through it before. She'd watched it, I think, partially just to sort of set her expectations of what she was going to go through. I mean, how was how did Beck feel? Because, how, like, she'd never gone through it before. She must have been apprehensive, scared, anxious. Ha- yeah. Like, having you had to do this before, what kind of things... Did you give her any advice? No, because I think that comes across as me trying to instill fear. And I've yeah. already done the damage at this point. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a different experience for men and women that, you know, they're going to go through this and they're preparing themselves for potentially a bit of pain and the actual experience of childbirth. Whereas for a man, you know, as we mentioned before, it's that helplessness. You're, you're there as a you know, spur limb. You have no purpose other than just to be there for mental and moral support. With Beck, I've, I genuinely I freaked out a little bit. It sticks out in my head. So as she got moved into the actual delivery suite, her contractions had got that hard. You know, the midwives had stepped out of the room at this point. They don't stay with you forever, not forever, but they don't stay with you through the whole process. They've got, you know, maybe five, six women all giving birth at the same time. So there's a team of, of midwives that you know go through the different rooms and they're all experienced enough to deliver the baby if they need to. But the point being that they're not always in the room with you. Yeah. Bex Waters, you know, they hadn't gone. It, the thought had just left my head. She was lied there and she just started to push. And as she did, it freaked me the fuck out because the entire stomach looked like it was going out. Oh, really? And was, yeah. And there was there was no midwives in the room or anything. There was just me and Beck. And she was still all sort of like in a, a nighty and you know, you know, not prepared to give birth. And she just made these these sort of movements as though she was going to push the baby out. I shit myself. And she just, there was a couple of pushes like that. And then the next thing, there was just this massive gush of water. The bed was sort of, <laughs> it was like she'd been on a waterbed and popped it. Wow. It was fluid everywhere. I ran out into the corridor and started screaming and shouting. Must sound like an absolute madman at this point. <laughs> uh, and then the midwives came in freaking out thinking the baby had been delivered and they're like oh your waters have gone okay well let's get you tidied up then oh really so obviously you know they're they're trained to keep calm in that situation but that really freaked me out like the belly did genuinely i don't know if that happens every time but how long after did georgie come after that was so quite quick it was a good couple of hours after that she got moved in at half past seven or seven o'clock ish into the delivery suite I think that experience that freaked me out was, I'd say, about half eight, nine o'clock. And it wasn't until one o'clock the following morning that Georgie was born. Wow. 
and she started pushing, I'd say, around half 10, 11 o'clock. Beck will fact check and I'll bring you <laughs> an actual timeline next week. I don't know who it is, but Beck, Becky was telling me about one of her friends who's pregnant with a fourth child, or I think a fourth child now. So the first child came out in two and a half hours. The second child came out in an hour and a half. And the third child was, was out within 45 minutes. She's like, I'm not even bothering going to the hospital this time. <laughs> it'll be out. It'll be out. Don't put any pepper near her. She cannot sneeze. <laughs> so I think for Becky, she's not bothered about the pain. She's more bothered about being, I guess, in control. So from the sound of it, her experience was like she had doctors all around her. She had lights in her eyes. It just wasn't a very comfortable experience for her. And that that means that she was tensing up and. And as much as she was trying to get the the baby out, she wasn't relaxed enough for the baby to come out. I guess even though I can't do anything, my my role will be to try and keep her as calm as possible, whether that be back massages, whether that would be me. Let's let's just cast our minds back to week two of this podcast series, Floppy Face. Floppy Fanny, of course, yeah. (laughs) So I'm apprehensive about that. Of course, it's it's nerve-wracking. We mentioned last week that it's not going to be a nice experience while she's delivering the baby, it's going to hurt, isn't it? And, yeah, it's just about keeping her calm. And and, and maybe, like I say, when we're a bit bit further down the line in, in, the, in the next few weeks, I will start asking more questions. There's some, some do's and some don'ts. We'll, uh, we'll cover that. In, in okay, that's good. Okay, so this last question for today is by Alpine Joe. And this is a very quick question. And it's about making time for dad. So now that we're dads, or obviously that you've got more experience in this with me, having been a dad for a long time, um, how how do you make time for yourself? Super easy. Buy a shed. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder when you. It's very early on. That's the simple answer. It is hard. You know, it's like when you become a dad and you've got all this extra responsibility, how do you find time to still go to the gym? How do you find time to go to the pub? How do you find time to, I don't know, play computer games? How do you find time to unwind? And you've just got to do it in bits. There's no easy answer to this, but you've got to sort of fulfill your commitments first. This makes sense. Do your duties as a parent. And then as soon as the kid goes to sleep, everyone can take a collective sigh of relief that you've got (laughs) through another day. Is there anything that you had to to give up so i play rugby and i've already i've I've had to knock that on the head for the next well i say i want to be back after christmas but i don't think that's going to happen i'm I'm really going to try and you know try but at at the minute i will go back after christmas and see how that happens but i also play in a band as well and we meet up once a week we've done that for oh god the best part of 11 years and i've always found that quite cathartic and i've you know i have two hours in a band room every week and I, i really enjoy it but is that unreasonable to think that that's going to happen? I guess it's about making time and you've got to make time for yourself. But Yeah, I think so the thing you're not struggling, but the thing you need to, to hone in on more is that flexibility of when you're going to get that time to yourself. So if you've got that band room, you know, six till eight every Tuesday, you're probably going to have some responsibilities that may overlap with that. Bedtime, you know, as you'll have seen with Flossie, not necessarily always the same time every night. Yeah. And as the younger, there's a lot, it is a lot more of an intense experience. So that free time that you have is flexible. Sometimes you've got to give that up. Sometimes you don't have free time. 
sometimes you've got lots of free time because mum just wants to spend, you know, or dad just wants to spend lots of time with, with the baby. So you're, you know, you can go and have a bath, have a shower, get a, a couple of hours in on, you know, your computer games or go and do your band practice or go rugby training. As I suppose as the baby gets a little bit older, you can almost schedule in when you can relax, if that makes sense. That yeah. You can shape your life around, you know, I've, I'm going to go rugby training twice a week and you've got a set pattern, a set routine. You know, Becky then might say that, OK, that's fine. You've got Tuesdays and Thursdays and Wednesdays and Fridays. I don't know, sit, have a really long bath watching Walking Dead if she's not kenned the entire series in before the baby's born. I think that's the important thing as well, is that you've got to realise that there's two people in this relationship as well that are both going to be tired, both going to be exhausted. So there's making time for for dad, but there's obviously making time for mum as well. Mum has got to have some free time. But equally, I think it's really important that you've got to make time for each other as well. Do you think that's quite a valid argument that you I don't know, that you're going out on date night once every month? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, how did, did, did you do anything like that or...? Yeah, a hundred percent we did. That that was something that was a big part of it. That you know, it was very fluid, I suppose is the easiest way to describe it. You know, one night I'd do the night feed, next night she'd do the night feed. So we both maintained a healthy sleeping healthy amount of sleep. But then that downtime, you can have an extra couple of hours in bed, or if you need to go and do this, then you can and I'll look after the baby. Uh, you go and have a night out with your friends or XYZ. And that's good to have that downtime for yourself, but exactly that as long as you do factor in that time of keeping stuff for you two to do together, that is, again, equally as important as getting that, that mental health for yourself. Having the, the strength in your relationship does help that as well, to have those date nights. And that was something that we did. We still do now. And Beck is probably going to roast me for not doing it enough. I actually got a, a quick jab the other day because it's it seems to always be her suggesting it i will hold my hands up <laughs> it is usually her that suggests we do something together so that's something i need to work on yeah i think it, it is important to for you two to still do something with and without baby yeah and with and without each other as well <laughs> like and, and i don't mean that in a patronizing way i think it's important that you each have a break away from each from other each just like an hour a day <laughs> sorry an hour a day like an hour a week or something or something do you know what i'm trying to say is there, is I, there a time i do to... but you can't specify a time I, I get what you're saying and i think you can't specify a time in the, the early phases the early couple of months yes. it, yeah. it has to be fluid it's got to be you know I, i'm just going to see my brother for a couple of hours or whatever once the baby gets into a routine and a pattern that's when you can start scheduling if you can start by rugby, uh, then you might have to make a sacrifice. If, is it rugby or the band? Yeah. The, the, you know, these are going to be hard decisions for you to make. You may be lucky and the baby sleeps through from day one and I will be super jealous and I'll hate you for the rest of ever. <laughs> so and I, I guess it's just going to be a transition period, isn't it? Where I don't know what time I'm going to, going to make because I don't know what time I do have. And, and obviously, at, at the minute, the little one's going to take the priority, but I'm sure there will be pockets in it about you making the most of that time. Yeah. But to answer the question, you know, how do you make time for dad? Initially, it's very fluid, but then time will present itself to you. And if all else fails, buy a shed. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag shed life. 
I might. I think Becky might buy a shed just to kick yeah. me out for yeah. a couple of nights a week. Okay, well, we've naturally gone from meeting somebody to sexting to having a baby. I think that might be a natural point to end it for this week. I think we've um, rambled on enough at this point, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for your input um, this week. Uh, like I say, keep asking us questions, and we'll keep doing this as long as um, we get input. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Did it, 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 did it